stop, stop, stop. I can't take it anymore. Oh, I do the live ones too. Yes, I know. I saw your act in the theatre. You're really quite good. Quite a certain harmful habit. Welcome, and thank you for joining us. We are Breaking Up With Our Bullshit. This is episode number two. I am Tawny Santabria. I am JDK Winnikin. Good to see you, Tawny. Nice to see you, too. It's been a little while. A little while, yeah. You were on a road trip. I was on a road trip. It was a really good road trip, but I'm back, and I'm ready to go. All loosened up, limber, ready to break up with some bullshit, some more. Awesome. Some more. You broke up with some before. There's always, it keeps coming. So many breakups. It does. Got to keep practicing. Got to keep doing it. Yes. Right. So, all right. So here we go. So episode two. So uh, thanks to everyone for jumping in on episode one. Mm -hmm. Uh, How was that experience for you? I'm wondering. And we did both an audio and a video version. We did. How, how are those for you? This is new for you. This is new for me. And, um, I learned a couple things about myself. One thing I learned is that I'm a really good nodder, really good nodder. As I, in nodding up and nodding down? Nodding up oh. and down, nodding when people are talking, nodding when I'm talking, nodding and nodding some more. So when I was watching the video, I kept telling myself, stop nodding. <laughs> are you telling and, yourself that now? And I kept nodding. <laughs> so I thought I would show up with a like a, a like a really thick scarf or something, but it's way too hot here in Seattle to do that today. Yeah. Um, so I am going to try not to nod so much. We'll see what happens. Well, if you were nodding because you were agreeing with all the amazing things I was saying, that's one thing. Right. But, yes. So I get that, though. It, it's easy to be critical. I was the same thing, but on something different. I didn't like how I looked. I, I felt like my shirt had pushed up onto my neck and it pushed my neck up into my chin. So my, I felt like my head looked like a Macy's Day Parade float. And, and I just kept focusing on it in the video feed. Right. I just, oh man. And, and, it, and it, it, it was this reminder that, that you know, in a, in a serious way, I can be really critical of how I look. Yeah. Like, you know, body stuff. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing, right? You're talking about. Same thing, like right? nodding. And mm-hmm. it, isn't that interesting? I mean, that's its own <clears throat> set of bullshit stories, right? Did, is there a story behind the nodding? Well, there is now. Um, <laughs> it's like, what the heck? Why do you have to be so, so good at nodding, right? So um, there wasn't one before, but now there is, right? So no, it just, we, we tend to be a little bit more critical of ourselves. The other thing I learned about myself is that, I think you mentioned this too. I am a really good, uh-huh, er, uh, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're a therapist. I'm really good at that, too. You're, that's part of the job, right? It is part of the job. It is part of the job. But, you know, I don't know. So then I hyper-focused on that a little bit in the audio also and was mm-hmm. just like, ooh. But, um, yeah. So so was the story behind that then, like the story you were telling yourself that that is detracting, like that other people are noticing that and therefore they're not getting as much out of the story or you're feeling, what was the story? Right. Like maybe this doesn't have to be therapy. Like maybe (laughs) maybe I don't have to do that in this context. True. Right. True. So, yeah, I'm just going to play with it a little bit. I I don't think it's the, you know, a terrible thing or it's it's a huge problem. I'm not going to make a problem out of it. Right. But it doesn't have to be a problem. Yes, it doesn't have to be. But I did notice it. 
And and that goes to that sort of being critical of ourselves. Right. And my, my neck going <clears throat> into my chin does have to be a problem. That's the story <laughs> that I keep telling myself, which is which is not true. But it it did highlight for me how much sometimes, you know, body issues for me are, are a real thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and boy, that's a powerful that's a powerful story. I think a lot of people can relate to um, around the body. Anyway. Ag- uh, agreed. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And then when we see ourselves in just even nor- now when we're doing all of our virtual calls, right? Mm-hmm. We are watching ourselves while we're in meetings. We didn't used to do that before. We would meet with people. We couldn't watch ourselves at the same time that we were meeting with people. We would watch the people. Right. But now we're watching ourselves too. And so there's a lot of focus on mm-hmm. on those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I, I think for the first time out, it's probably pretty understandable that, you know, critique it, nitpick it and, and things like that. It's, mm-hmm. uh, and yet that's part of what we're talking about, right, <laughs> is, is noticing those things. And, and certainly the feedback that we got, nobody was <clears throat> mentioning that you were nodding too much or that my neck had gone up into my chin. <laughs> I didn't nobody hear it at all. Nobody, yeah, nobody said it. Nobody said anything. In fact, in fact, uh, it was really encouraging a lot of the, the positive feedback that we got. Uh, was was there any any feedback specifically to you that stands out that we got you got about episode one? Yeah, I heard a lot of things. They loved how we sort of bantered back and forth or with ease. We were able to talk about some different things and it just felt comfortable. Folks really loved the protection and connection oh, that yeah. we talked about. I don't yeah. know if you heard anything about that. But. I did. I did. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the feedback I got was uh, for us to not worry so much about talking about all this stuff, right? Getting too wordy about it, right? We, and, and because this is, I mean, it's, it's new for a lot of people. And so there is going to be a lot of talk about it. And, and honestly, that's the only way we can really communicate some of these things. <laughs> that's what you kind of do in a podcast is you talk. <laughs> so Yeah, it's, I'll get the hang of the talking part. That's the other thing we talked about afterwards, the, you being a teacher and I being a counselor. Yeah. And sort of the use of talking Mm-hmm. And how we use that for ourselves in our professions, and and what we're comfortable with, and what we're not, it's it's different for a teacher and a counselor, I think. Yeah, although, I mean, because as a teacher, you know, I I frame stuff, I ask questions, and then people respond. That's the that's the whole idea. But you sort of do that too. You're you're a counselor and a therapist. You ask a lot of questions. You do a lot of listening though too. I do a lot of listening. Right. So I do a lot of following almost. And I feel like teachers do a lot of leading. That's true. Like not, not, neither one is better or worse. It's not a bad, bad thing either way, right? It's just is that the teacher has to lead because what could, if the teacher was following the classroom. Right, because there's a lesson involved, right? And for, and, and I know that for you in all this work, you're kind of meeting people where they're at. So they kind of got to tell you where they're at or at least give you clues. As to where they're at. Okay. Yeah, I have to be able to listen. You know what's so funny is when I had my office in, in an office and I wasn't all virtual working with my clients, I saw a lot of teachers. And the funniest story about teachers, I love teachers so much, but this <laughs> is the funniest thing. So I had my office always set up where I have couch and a big, huge chair and, and maybe another couple chairs for families to be able to come in and sit and I didn't really have like a desk where it would be really clear where I sit when somebody shows up for the mm. first time in my office. Mm. Every single time a teacher showed up, I'm not kidding, they sat in the big chair, like the head of the 
<laughs> they, out of the office. Never the couch. In the Never. Ca- in the captain's chair of the Enterprise. Yeah. Every single Every time. time. Yes. That's funny. Yes. That doesn't surprise me. No. That, does, I, that probably is probably what I would have done, too. Yeah. There's something about, I think, as a teacher, being in that kind of in command of the space. That's what that's what we're sort of used to. So, mm-hmm. um, well, it was, it was definitely a learning experience. Yes. And it was definitely fun. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like people got a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of people who... Uh, some of the f- other feedback I got was people could relate to the the conversations that we can have in our heads with other people that aren't actually happening and how that can take us away from this present moment. Yep. Uh, so I think we're talking about things that people understand. So that's a good start. That is a good start. It's a really good start. <laughs> it's a really good start. Uh, so, okay. So, well, last time, episode one, we sort of talked about how we got connected. We did. And how, where, why I started needed your help mm-hmm. what we didn't get to is how you got here so you've been doing this for a long time doing this kind of presence work and this kind of coaching counseling therapy that type of thing what's your story <laughs> on how you got here yeah how far back do i go so many years right mm-hmm. so i did you know i grew up in the military yeah military family mm-hmm. right so lots of expectation in a military family Mm -hmm. of doing the right thing and being polite. Doing things a certain way. Yeah, doing things a certain way, Mm -hmm. being polite, sort of following the rules, all of those kinds of things. So in my family, my dad and mom, neither one of them went to college. My mom actually didn't finish high school. So it was very important that we go to college. Okay. So we went to college. And after college, I got a job as a 911 dispatcher. No way. I didn't know that. Right out of college. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Sacramento, like a big city. Okay. Yeah, lots going on. Did you major in that or did you? I, I majored in criminal justice and psychology. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but what, so I guess it sort of fits. Kind of, kind of. Right. It, it just was interesting and got this job. And, and so I'm like answering calls and... Crisis stuff and all kinds of things. Mm. What I did know about myself even before that is I always was fascinated by, like, struggle. Like, whether it was big struggle for humans or small struggle for humans. Like emotionally? Is that what you mean? Um, Any kind of struggle. Okay. But, yeah, they could be, it could be around trauma. It could be around, um, you know, socioeconomic struggle. It could be around relational struggle. Just, like... I just was fascinated by struggle and wanted to learn more about that and wanted to help my friends. The other thing when I was growing up, all the adults would always say, wow, Johnny's so mature. Weird. So I was taller than most of my peers, so maybe that's what, why they thought I was hmm. so much. But, so there was this sense of, and a story already starting, of right. doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Being mature. Needing to show up a certain way. Yes. Right. And perform a certain way. Exactly. And I was interested in struggle. And so I was already wanting to learn from people Mm -hmm. about their own experience. And then, of course, okay, so how do I, maybe there's something in that for me to help with. So right out of the gates, 911 dispatcher. And then um, we moved. I got married. I had kids. And then I decided, okay. I'm going to work with domestic violence folks, people who are experiencing domestic violence. And I didn't want to just work in um, uh, in the office. I wanted to work on the crisis lines, in the confidential shelters, 
you know, I wanted to hear from the folks who were experiencing more of a real deep, um, maybe traumatic or more violent mm. sorts of experiences. It's quite a calling. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know what that, I, I didn't experience that in my own family. I just really wanted to know and learn more about what was going on for folks. So from there, I went into um, marriage and family therapy because I realized, wow, um, lots of people are struggling, mm. not just the big struggles, mm-hmm. not just the things that you know, we're, right. we're experiencing a larger amount of trauma or violence. I wanted to work with all kinds of struggles. And so with marriage and family therapy, it really is the foundational component of that is, is systems, systems theory. So as opposed to the problem sitting inside the person, the problem is in context, in relationships, sure. in groups, in, in, in who we are connected with other people or not connected with other people, right? So worked with a lot of different folks. And so in that, my internship, I chose to work as a home-based counselor in the Rainier Valley of the Seattle area. Okay. So when I would work with and meet with a family for the first time, I would actually meet them in their home. I wanted to know exactly what was happening. Mm-hmm. I didn't want them to just come to my office because that's a different context. I oh, wanted yeah. to be in it. Yeah, that's certainly true. You're mm-hmm. you're you're bringing a different set of performative measures into an office. Yes. And then you probably it would seem to me you can't see no. the dynamic they're in. That gives you a little bit of a glimpse. Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. some of that when I was doing one-on-one uh, tutoring yeah. for students in the home. Mm-hmm. You walk into the home. You can get a real quick read on some important things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I always was very interested in getting, observing, getting the read, knowing the whole of what was happening, not just a person comes in to see me, they've got a problem, they're diagnosed, then away they go, right? It just, that wasn't the kind of work I wanted to do. I really wanted to connect at a deep level and really understand what was happening for the person, the family the couple, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But I have kids, and they need to be taken care of, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, well, um, and now they're adults, and they can take care of themselves, which is, which is great. Um, so I had to figure out a way to also take care of my kids and be in an office where people could come see me, and I could help them and work with them that way. So along the years, I mean, there's been many years here, I found yoga. And so I took that connection piece that that was very comfortable with people uh, with dealing with, um, like we, we talked about last time, um, uncomfortable emotions. Yeah. You know, because uncomfortable emotions are a part of a struggle. Yes. They, we don't struggle and have just comfortable emotions. <laughs> right. They sort of come, they sort of go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. So here I was getting really comfortable with struggle and, and, and uncomfortable emotions. And then I found yoga. And for myself, mm-hmm. so getting into the body, breath work, presencing, being here now, and, and it just really clicked for me, that sense of being able to be, create safety in my own body. So here we are, I'm already prioritizing and working with folks from a connection perspective, and they're struggling, and I've learned how to deal with, deal better with my own struggle in my own body mm-hmm. around some of this breath and presencing work. Mm-hmm. And so I started 
um, like teaching yoga for anxiety classes, yoga for depression classes and things like that, right? So you really got into it. You got into instruction. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. So taught some some of those classes there. And then in the last 10 years, it's just really about um, talking with more people, learning more and more for myself about practicing more and more for myself around presencing. Um, And... And now I, in the last five years, has sort of just created this real um, clearer sense of bringing in those embodied practices along with what was natural for me anyway around creating connection and really understanding the struggle. Like, yeah, bring your struggle. I, I almost said I love the struggle, <laughs> but I, but I kind of do because that's real. It is. It is. We like the work around it. And, mm-hmm. and, and I know from my own experience yeah. with you and talking with you that that's really where the work gets done is when we're open about whatever those emotional components about the struggle is, that's when there's an opportunity for that connection mm-hmm. and that learning about it. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that makes a lot of sense. And see, this is exactly why I suggested you write a book about this. <laughs> and then that led to you roping me into it. Right. Is <laughs> because it's a unique story and it's a it's a it's also a very real story about how this has how these interests and experiences for you have kind of all come together on this. Um the the yoga piece I can relate to as well. I I first did yoga probably 5 years ago and I did hot yoga. Mm-hmm. And after I survived the first one, you know, a 90-minute session. It's a rough first yeah, although the, the instructor just said, you don't even need to do a thing. You can just be present in the moment and breathe and, mm-hmm. you know, do mm-hmm. the face down frog, or, you know, that thing. <laughs> face down frog. Face, I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> what it's called. I, I'm just totally blanking at the moment. But I remember that experience of need and then recognizing and experiencing that my body could do that. You know, that, that was a whole new realm for me. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, might be when you and I first connected, why I was pretty open to it and interested in what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I found it really great. I, I really enjoyed it. And I came to really appreciate hot yoga a lot because of that mm-hmm. discipline, right? Mm-hmm. That, that experience and that need to breathe. And some days I was blown away at what I was able to do. Mm-hmm. Other days I was going in going, I'm going to kill it today. And nope, just, you know, mm-hmm. couldn't hold poses here. Didn't have the energy there. And it, it actually taught me a way to be a little bit more forgiving and accepting mm-hmm of myself in the moment. Those were different things for me. It's funny, you talked about being a military kid, growing up certain ways of doing things, you know, and, and learning what, whether intended or not, you kind of had to do the right thing, have to be as perfect as possible, right, yep. with these things. Mm-hmm. I'm from a pastor's family. I can relate mm-hmm. to that in a, in a very different way. My parents never gave me those messages directly, but I certainly picked up on them, you know, from, from other people or from just, you know, whatever it might be. So I could relate you know, mm-hmm. on that. Uh, and I kind of became interested in struggle too, but from a different point of view, I became interested in the big historical struggle, yeah. right? The big macro and all mm-hmm. the different little struggles in there. So there's, there's something about the human experience that I think we both share and, and how, how and why we deal with struggle the way we do. Mm-hmm. We've come at it from two very different sets of experiences and perspectives and disciplines and training. Yep. And yet here we are. And it kind of all kind of all fits together that way. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so that's so you've been doing this now for a long time, and you've been working with a lot of clients. Yeah, I 
am, yeah, I've been on the planet for a long time. <laughs> I meant doing this work. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't taking the conversation that way. I promise. <laughs> it, it, I'm really, I'm getting really comfortable with that, with yeah. being on the planet for a long time. So it, it's cool. But yeah, right out of college, I jumped right in to learning about other people's struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so, I mean, that's, and that accumulated experience plus everything you've done, you've seen a lot of bullshit stories. I have heard and seen, oh goodness. Yeah. That's, that's why I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> so thank God for other people's bullshit stories. Right? <laughs> but we always say, we always say as, as counselors, like we're, we're trying to work ourselves out of a job. I would think. Right? Like that's really what we're trying to do. But mm-hmm. yeah, the reality is the human experience does uh, include struggle. Mm-hmm. And if we're dealing with struggle in ways that um, keep us stuck, um, uh, keep us disconnected, keep us protected. Um, Which you, leads to things like staying depressed exactly. or staying withdrawn or. Yep. Right, right. <clears throat> Uh, so how, you know, there are so many different subjects that I know we're going to be tackling mm-hmm. where it, it stems out from this. Like if this was the hub of the wheel, mm-hmm. all the different subjects we could talk about would be each of the spokes yeah. right coming out. And mm-hmm. and certainly it seems to me one of the big sources of of bullshit stories is exactly what we were just talking about, this idea of being doing the right thing. Perfectionism might be a part of that. They're related, maybe. Uh, boy, it can show up just to, in uh, just about anything, just from the feedback and from, you know, our interactions with people on Facebook. I've seen that in people talking about the struggles and the stories they're telling themselves about their job, yep. trying to make changes in their job, yep. how they're parenting, mm-hmm. how they're showing up for a partner or in dating, yeah. right? Seeking a partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in just about everything. I know it is for me. Right, to wanting to do the right, quote unquote, thing. Mm-hmm. And then it seems implied in that is if I don't do the right thing, A, it's the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And there's that implication that if you don't do the right thing the right way, <laughs> the right time, <laughs> with the right result, there's a problem. Yes. Right. And how do we even know what the right thing is? Like there's this sense about us that we, you know, we're trying to do the right thing, and we know what it is. And how do we even know what it is? Yeah, we don't always. And I, I more time <laughs> goes by, I'm wondering, can we necessarily in a given moment, right? It's, and is the trick there that really what we get caught up in is need to make the right decision when, for me at least, from my own perspective, what I end up end up doing is not being honest about what I'm like, just saying, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the right thing is. And yet we have to feel like we have to have the right Right. one. We're supposed to know what it is. Mm -hmm. And most of the time we really don't know, but how are we going to find it if we keep trying to like have it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it basically sort of um, creates sort of a shield around us we're not able to get curious and creative and open if we've got this right thing that is in front of us, whatever it might be, 
and we've got to do this thing, even though we feel disconnected from it. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like it's the right thing that other people expect us to do rather than what might be the right thing to do. Right. Like for ourselves. That's the other part. I mean, if we're not considering where the right is coming from, Mm. is it just the right thing that was told to us by another person or the right thing that we've done over and over and over and over again in this particular case or context? Uh, and it's not working, but we're still keep trying to do whatever we deem is the right thing, as opposed to getting curious, creative, open, not pushing towards the right thing. And this starting to build trust in ourselves that intuitively we'll just know what needs to come next. By connecting more to our body, because that well, <clears throat> I was just thinking about it when we talked last week about the starting from the headspace. Everything we've just talked about is that headspace thing. What's the right thing to do? Got to think it through, think it through, hamster wheel, hamster wheel, hamster wheel. When presence work is about stepping back from that for a little bit, just kind of breathing and knowing in the moment you don't have to have an answer right or wrong. You just get settled. Mm -hmm. And then from there, because my own experience has been when I do that, when I do breathing, when I do talk about what I talked about last time, kind of going up the ladder, Mm Things that I wasn't considering before enter my mind and I have a better sense. And it could just be a general reminder of what do you, you know, I've had, I've had moments where I'm trying to do the right thing. And what I end up getting from presence work is, well, what's most congruent for you? Mm-hmm. What fits for you? Mm-hmm. How about what you want to do? Do you want to do that? Yep. Is the right thing, quote unquote, what you really want to do and will you feel right by doing that right thing? Right. Or it would be something else. Mm-hmm. When I'm up in my head and the energy and the tension and the stress of needing to make that decision is right in front of me, I'm not going to see Mm-mm. those other options. No. Yeah. No, no. And that, for me, comes from a place of when I'm in that mode, I have to have an answer because it has to be the right one. Because if it's not, then there's some unforeseen monster of emotional problem behind it. I wouldn't even be able to articulate it necessarily. And somebody might be upset with you. Right. That's a big one. Right. And then you you would feel terrible and, you know, all of the things that come next with that. And then the conversations you start having that aren't existing. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we can get on the train derailed completely quickly, quickly. Okay. So even, you know, a small right thing is, you know, I've met with lots of teenagers over the years. And so maybe this is everybody. It's not me, but maybe it's everybody. You receive a text from somebody. You know this person. Maybe they're a really good friend. Maybe they're not. You just know the person. It's not a random text that you don't know. And the right thing is to respond very quickly no matter what you're doing. (laughs) because the unspoken message is? Well, it would just be rude not to, or they might get upset with me if I don't, Mm -hmm. or they might not like me anymore. Whatever the story is, there's a story about that. Mm -hmm. But I'm not kidding. So when I tell teenagers, because they're telling me they don't want to respond to this text. That's why we're talking about it. <laughs> oh, they don't want right. to. Right. Some so-and-so has texted them, and they're in the middle of something. Mm-hmm. Right? And they just don't want to respond right now, but they got to respond. What? What? 
wait a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who says you have to respond? Well, it'd be rude. They might not like me if I don't. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the stories that the right thing is, I get a text, I need to respond to that text. Because that shows that I care. <clears throat> In theory. Yes. That's the story. Yeah. So many different, there could be a variety of different stories attached to that. That mm-hmm. is definitely one of those stories. Mm-hmm. Okay. But to your point, right? Like maybe they don't want to respond to it. Yeah. Maybe they're in the middle of something. Maybe they're actually having fun with the person that they're with right now, present moment. But because somebody has reached out, we don't have any choice but to respond. Mm-hmm. Just even that is a right thing that limits our ability to know what we want. Right. Or just be honest and say, yeah, I'll get back to you. Right. So, so what do you tell? I mean, that's a, I can, I can tell you, I don't think it's just teenagers that struggle with that. <laughs> um, I've encountered that like with particular people, you know, I have felt the need to re- respond right. right away. Right. I'm, I've full fledged adults saying, Oh, well you didn't answer. So I thought you were mad. Wait, wait what? <laughs> you know, that, that type of thing. I mean, texting is such a, so loaded that way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're already, and I'm sure teenagers do a lot of reading between the lines too with, mm-hmm. with what's in text, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Well, so what, what do you tell a teenager in a situation like that with, when it comes to present stuff? Because, for example, their friend might get really mad. They might have an expectation. Their, their friend has an expectation. You're supposed to text back right away and they might really be afraid of losing that. That's a really uncomfortable spot for a teenager to learn mm-hmm. how to create a boundary. Mm-hmm. And there are risks inherent in that. You could lose the friend, I guess, mm-hmm. in theory. How do you coach a teenager through that with this kind of work? Right. So certainly, depending on the teenager, depending on their story, is going to influence sure. where we go next. Right. But le- getting to a place of them really understanding that they have agency. Hmm. Right. That's the part first choice, choice and agency. Right. So so if truly they don't want to respond, I mean, we're simplifying this. I I get that we're simplifying it. But this is something that shows up in our everyday for most of us. That is a I got to do the right thing even when we don't want to. So it's a very small thing with implications. Mm -hmm. But we can all sort of uh, relate relate to this in I some way. So. Yeah. 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 So that's how small a right thing can be. Mm-hmm. Even when we think, oh, that's not a problem for me. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I'm, I'm not as tech. Uh, I'm not up on the tech stuff so much. So I'll, I'll let a text wait. So, but that's not about, you know, I got my own right things. Um, mm-hmm. That I struggle with, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but that's just an easy one that affects us all that we're not even paying attention to. Yeah. And it's a practice. So mm-hmm. if we're practicing having to do the right thing in order to not upset a person, and we keep practicing doing that, mm-hmm. then where are we in connection with ourselves? Right, because we're not connecting to that agency, <clears throat> that ability to say, even if it's something as simple as, I'm in the middle of something, get back to you right away or get back to you as soon as I can. Or, you know, one of the things that happens, like I think when, when texts come in sometimes, they can feel like an invasion. Like if somebody comes in and says, I want to talk to you about this. Mm -hmm. Okay. I understand you want to talk about this. Mm -hmm. I'm not in a space to want to talk about that because of a million things that probably have nothing to do with you. 
but then there suddenly now it's something else that gets added to the to the wheel of to do around me and that can trigger for me resentment frustration but also that oh okay i need to say something that cuz that in that case the right thing is an expectation right mm-hmm. it's a societal construct that has been turned into the quote unquote mm-hmm. right thing mm-hmm. but it's it can be easy to diffuse once we understand agency and choice to say okay i hear you no, you want to talk about that. I take it seriously and don't have the bandwidth or the time right now. Can we set a time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I realize for a teenager, they would probably just look at you and go, wait, what? Exactly. But that mm-hmm. that agency might look a little different for them, yep. you know, based on that context. But I think that's that's the larger point I sense in this is that when we don't have a sense that we have a choice to define it as right or wrong, or even if it is right or wrong, to go... I don't really feel like dealing with that right now and that that's okay. Yes. That's a big leap for a lot of us, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it seems. I mm -hmm. bet you see that a lot with your clients. Yes. And it is all about connection, right? So who are we connected to, ourselves or anybody else, when we are just automatically participating like that Mm -hmm. and we're resentful or frustrated or, you know, bothered or interrupted Mm-hmm. Who are where, who and where are we connected? Right. We're not. Right. We're doing we're responding out of uh, an, an element of stress. Mm-hmm. And when we're stressed, we're not connected, as we talked about before. We're protecting ourselves. So we're responding in a way to protect. But that's not where our best of ourselves is. Yeah. It's, yeah. And the scary part of that is. By telling somebody in that moment you don't have time to answer what they want you to answer. Wow. That's a that's a big point of pressure. But you know, and it can come from if that's coming from a boss, if it's coming from a spouse, if it's coming from a friend, a child, that's a lot of pressure suddenly that gets brought to bear about what the right thing to do is. Um, and it's interesting because the implication is the right thing is to, in those situations, address that person, right? Or address mm-hmm. that concern. How interesting that we don't go to ourselves first. Right. That to me was the big eye opener when I first started Mm -hmm. with this. Mm -hmm. How come I don't go to myself first? And I know it's messaging. You're not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be selfless, supposed to be giving. Right. And and because why aren't you supposed to do that? I don't know. Why am I not supposed to do that? I'm drawing a blank. Because you'll be because because then you'll be selfish. Oh, I'll be selfish. Right. Exactly. That's it. Nobody wants to be selfish because what does it mean if we're selfish? It means we're self-absorbed and we don't care about other people. <laughs> right. <laughs> it means we're kind of assholes, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot in uh-huh. in making a choice yeah. that is good for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a big, huge leap to who we are as people mm-hmm. by making a choice that is good for us. Because mm-hmm. if we're renewing ourselves more often, if we're taking care of ourselves more often, we're actually going to have more to give to people anyway. Right. So which one is selfish? (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's interesting. See, that's one of those things, like, when you've presented things like that to me, I go, oh. You know, it's just so, it's a very subtle shift, Mm -hmm. but a very real one Mm -hmm. to that. Um, I have I have a very dear friend who will not talk 
to me or to anyone else unless they have the bandwidth, all that to be focused in that moment. And they will say, almost without fail, that they aren't at that spot if they aren't. And first, early on in, mm-hmm. in, in that particular relationship, that just fried me. Mm. I couldn't get my mind around that. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, it just, <laughs> I mean, and, and I remember thinking at times, you know, making it about something that it wasn't, but like, wow, how selfish is that? Mm, in a bad way. Yeah. In a bad story. way. Mm-hmm. Right. And yet over time, what I've come to realize, that's fantastic. Because from my vantage point, I do want, if I'm in connection with a person, I will, of course I want that 100% yeah. of that connection for that period of time. Mm-hmm. And it also t- has taught me a lot about how people have things they have to give to at various points. We all have jobs that we have to go to. We all have families. We all have friends uh, that need that. Don't all those connections deserve to get all of us at any given time? And if we, and of course they do. And yet we, how often do we not do that? We give things piecemeal Yep. because somebody wants it right away. And so we put energy or we fake it, or at least I'll say I have, Mm -hmm. where somebody's needed something for me rather than take the the space and say, okay, I need to gear up for that and, you know, get, get focused and get present for that. Cause I didn't know what that was until, Mm -hmm. you know, a year or so ago. All of a sudden when I have 10%, I'm giving them that 10% and pretending I have a hundred. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening is I'm burned out. They, of course, don't see that necessarily, but I haven't been really connected to them mm-hmm. for that whole time. And then I feel depleted. Yep. I don't feel heard. I don't feel connected. I've just felt given. I haven't, you know, whew, I'm exhausted just talking about Ooh, that. I'm exhausted listening to it. No. <laughs> No, it just is a lot, it right? Is. And we're trying to fake it all the time, mm-hmm. and we're trying to cover this and cover that, yeah. and, and we don't have to do any of it. Like, we could just be practicing, checking in with ourselves, what fits right now, mm-hmm. what do we need, mm-hmm. and, and that's not, the, we're in, our resources are there. We're selfish when we're halfway here. Yeah. When we're connected and checked in with ourselves, What's going to come out of that is not selfish. That's true. What's going to come out of that is a desire to connect, mm-hmm. a desire to be present to some degree, right. however we understand that to be, because we're connected with ourselves first. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to give whatever that other person wants what they want when they want it. It won't. It won't. But that's not really what they want. They want the best of what you're able to bring them. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yes. yes. See, that's why for me, I mean, that, and that's where that agency choice and boundaries mm-hmm. all end up fitting together mm-hmm. is being able to say that. And yet for me, that fundamental shift was it's OK to prioritize myself, to start with myself and go, how does that land with where I'm at now, mm-hmm. with what I'm able to give mm-hmm. and then to have the vulnerability to say, I'm not there right now mm-hmm. to that other person. Mm-hmm. Right. And then in some cases, and this is where it gets really tough. To be able to say to somebody, I hear that you want to talk about that. I don't. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. nothing for me to add. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Have I had boundaries where I've drawn that with people before mm-hmm. and the sideways that comes the other direction. And I've done it the other way. Right. When I've when I can get activated with people, when I want an answer on something right now. Damn it. I want it. And if somebody says, I don't want to talk about this right now or what. 
Historically, I don't react too well to that, right? Because I, I want it solved. I want this blah, 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 blah. It's not my best moments when that happens. Mm-hmm. But I'm way up in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm being run by my stories. Mm-hmm. I'm being run by the fear that's behind them, the need to, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, man. And that's a great example of struggle. Mm-hmm. Perfect example of struggle, mm-hmm. right? Like you're wanting something, you're um, dysregulated, you're behind the scenes feeling like you need to have it, you're angry that you're not getting it, you're wanting to control it. All of that is struggle. Mm-hmm. And who wants to talk to you when you're like that? <laughs> or when anybody's like that, right? Right. And so the struggle isn't just the person having to say, I don't have bandwidth for this right now. Or mm-hmm. can I get back to you tomorrow? Right. Great question. Mm-hmm. Can I get back to you tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Right. The struggle is not just for that person. Mm-hmm. You think about the person who feels like they need to have that information immediately from anybody because mm-hmm. they need it. That's struggle, too. It is. It is. So you have all of a sudden you have two people from two different directions in two different ways dealing with that. And that's protected. Right. They can't. Protected Can't completely. Connect. Yep. They disconnected and protected. We're in our own sort of sense of what we feel like is the right thing mm-hmm. and not connecting with each other. And so then the, the and, and so interesting how at times, and I've learned this with you and through my own experience, where those moments where if you, you can almost diffuse that in a line mm-hmm. where you can just say, you know what? I, I care about this. I am so tired. Mm-hmm. And I've got this going on. Bang, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. So, can we can we shelve this? I mean, more often than not, when that is put out there in a vulnerable sense mm-hmm. and is explained a little bit, that takes care of it. It, it does. Because that's a sense. point of connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and then somebody gives the opportunity for the other person to go, okay, yeah, I've been in that spot before. Right. It's relatable. It makes complete sense. We don't have our walls up. We're not having to guess. Yeah. When we have to guess about each other because we're not being completely clear about oh. ourselves. Um, it, uh, it, it doesn't really, <laughs> I don't, it just doesn't go well. It doesn't. And you know, the, the, when we don't know the truth of something and we have to guess about it, mm-hmm. that's what ends up driving us insane, or at least drives me up the wall. Yes. You know, when, when even hearing a tough truth, like somebody can't address something with you or even something bigger than that, mm-hmm. where we always seem to dread what we're going to hear. Right. But then when we hear it, it's usually survive. Well, it's always survivable, but it's interesting for me. It's where the stories live. Once the facts are out, somebody tells me where they're at, I can adjust to that. I may not like it or I might be okay with it. I might catch myself going, okay, well, I totally made that up. Mm-hmm. But at least I know it's when, I, when I'm when i not connected like that and when there isn't that vulnerability that the madness yes. in my head. When when I joke with people that when I'm in that mode, it's like my, my head is a bag of cats, mm-hmm. right? Just all just mm-hmm. chaotic in my mind. Mm-hmm. And, oh, the effects it has on my body, on my sleep, mm-hmm. uh, on my mood, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on everything yep. is pronounced. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, so, you know, we're not talking about this because this is a small thing. What's interesting is these are all little small examples that can have these huge impacts, right? Which is why we've been stressing. That's why we call the show Breaking Up With Our Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Because that bullshit is, can seem small, but it's actually really powerful. The, the small things we do every day are going to be hugely powerful, right? Because they set us in in on the road for our, our moods of the day, um, how we understand things. This whole idea that people just, just should just know. Well, I told them that three years ago. 
They should know how I feel about that. <laughs> right. They don't know. People do not know. If we can just mm-hmm. operate from it is my responsibility to let people know what's what's happening. Where I'm at. What my what's needs important are. for me, mm-hmm. right? They can say yes or no. They have agency too. Guess that's, what? That's they the have hard agency part. too. But that's the hard part for people, right? They don't want to hear no. And that is bullshit. It is. It's totally bullshit. <laughs> because that's life. I love the look You're going to hear no. Right now. <laughs> You're going to hear no sometimes. And we can be okay with hearing no. Uh, yes, we can. We can be okay with that. Yes, we can. And because in a lot of cases, even though the big no's are the things that we get really worried about, mm-hmm. no's so often mean no right now. Yep. <clears throat> Later, let's mm-hmm. see. Yep. Right? It's, it's, it's something that you said to me once. We can easily treat something in the moment like this as the decider for everything, everything. that's going to follow. Yes. Somebody tells you no now, it means that changes everything mm-hmm. for the future, mm-hmm. right? Which is such an ego it's... place to sit, isn't it? Talk about the struggle there. I mean, like, Oof. really, you're going to accept that this thing that is happening right now is going to impact you for the rest of your life. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to make it this way. And you have very, very very few things happen that way. There are some things probably that are true for that. But yeah. daily, day to day, very few things happen that way. And so that in and of itself creates a huge amount of struggle. What are you going to do with that? Right, right. And 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 so the, with the presence work, what's so helpful for that is even for those big things, mm-hmm. a sense of knowing that your body can handle these things yeah. and you can get into the ventral vagal safety system just through a process of breathing and getting centered um, it can help with even those big yes. things because I've seen them. I've seen some of those big things. I've gotten some big no's, mm-hmm. right? I've gotten some big challenges yeah. that once upon a time I thought would kill me. Yeah. And they don't. Nope. They don't. You know, and and so I think, you know, next time, you know, when we talk about this, this will be the time to start talking about practice. how to do yeah. this, like doing some practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which will be interesting. I think seeing it, you know, if you're watching the video feed will be will yeah. be good. Yeah. Listening to it, we'll have to just, you know, explain it a little bit more. But yeah. I think this is where a lot of that all comes together because mm-hmm. big and small, no matter what the problem is, where it's coming from, what the background is, what the sources of these things are, we, mm-hmm. as what we're putting forward here is we all have the hard wiring in ourselves to help ourselves. Yep. It doesn't doesn't it doesn't take the problems away or the emotions away or anything like that. It just for me, it just makes them less way less threatening. Mm-hmm. Or if they're good ones, which is something else we need to talk about. Yes. They're good ones. I, you know, it can spin off into stories around good stuff too. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, it, what it does is shows me in the moment I'm all right. In the moment you are all right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so what do you think? Next time we start? Next time let's do a practice. Oh, man. That'll be super fun. <laughs> in the meantime, yeah, just let's just pay attention to where we get caught up on doing the right thing. Yeah. And and feeling pressurized by that, even mm-hmm. those small, tiny things. Mm-hmm. Practice speaking from where you are actually at, or pausing. Yeah, or Absolutely. just pausing and, yeah. and 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 feeling how that might feel a little weird to do. Like I'm not going to respond to this immediately, mm-hmm. or I'm going to say to this person who expects me to respond immediately, I'm not going to, mm-hmm. and seeing what happens. Yeah, I mean, just noticing what 
you know, when I started doing that, I had to start paying attention to where that anxiety came up mm-hmm. and where it sat in my body and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. That can be really instructive. You had mm-hmm. me do that for a while. Yeah. Pay attention mm-hmm. to those things. Just paying attention. Yeah, yeah. It's a good place to start. Yep. Yeah. It'll be fun. I, I think that we'll all find lots of things, not just the texting, but a lot of things that were, you know, holding ourselves to the right. And we don't even know why we're doing it. So question. Mm-hmm. Why do I feel the need to do this particular thing? Like, yeah. okay. And get creative and open and curious about it. Yeah. See what pops up. Yeah. Pause, reflect, mm-hmm. be curious. Mm-hmm. It's a good place to stop for today, don't you think? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, really good. So. We covered a lot once again. Once again, time just flies by. Yeah. Well, we've hopefully we've illustrated for everybody out there that there's a lot of bullshit from a lot of directions. All over the room. <laughs> all, all over the, room, the place. So we can... Did we talk about our new mugs, though? Oh, no, we haven't talked okay. about the new mugs yet. we got to finish this up. But um, we have new mugs that says debunk the junk on them. Mm-hmm. And it's got part of our logo from the, uh, from the, for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's got our acronym, Boo Wobs, in the middle. And it's got a poop emoji on it. <laughs> it's really cool. It's really cool. <laughs> um, so here's the deal. The first person out there who contacts us via direct message on Facebook, sends us an email, gets one of these. There's a yes. very limited amount of these. This is a first edition. Mm-hmm. So the first person to send us a message gets one of these mm-hmm. uh, for free and a personal note uh, from I us. I love that. Yeah. I just came up with it. I know, because we didn't even talk about no, it. I know. That was brilliant. I know. I just sprung it on you. Wow. <laughs> so, this is exciting. Yeah. And I we will say, what do you have in yours? Just like a, you have like a- I have an electrolyte orange mango drink. Okay. Yeah. I have my my one big vice these days, and that's a, an energy drink Yeah. in this one. I got to work on it. So, but anyway, well, but here's the mug. Yes. It's so. really super cool. Um, Thank you, Stacy Heller. Yeah. And Stacy Connects, who designed that. Mm-hmm. So- so let's go ahead and, and toast each other on the second okay. episode. Sounds well good. done. Awesome. Right. We made it. <laughs> not sure you can hear that. Uh, well, thanks for joining us on uh, episode two of Breaking Up mm-hmm. with our bullshit. Tawny, you got anything to say other than debunk the junk? You just I, say that again? I just want to say debunk the junk. That's all I want to say. All right. Join us next uh, next time around uh, for debunking more junking. Yes. Thanks. I'm JDK Winnikin. You are? I am Tawny Santabria. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. See you next time. All right. I'm in my groove. Here we go. Break a friend. I need it up front. To be right, everybody else to be wrong. I got something to prove. A new man has come into my life. I'm going to stay here in New York to see what it is about him that intrigues me so.